0: This episode of the Folklore Podcast Book Club is an audio version of an episode originally made for YouTube. To see the original with any pictorial references, please visit www.youtube.com slash Folklore Podcast and click on the Book Club playlist. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Folklore Podcast Book Club. I'm Mark Norman, folklore researcher and author. On today's episode of the Book Club, I'll be speaking to author Lizzie Fry about her debut novel, The Coven. Uh, Lizzie Fry is the pseudonym of an internationally acclaimed author and script editor. She works with numerous uh, film production companies and is a core member of the London screenwriter's board. Uh, Lizzie's novel The Coven imagines a world in which witchcraft is real, where mothers hand down power to their daughters and that power is used both harmlessly and peacefully. But there is much more to the story than that because The Coven is a global thriller uh, which pays homage to the power and the potential of women through its plot and the struggle for power between authority figures and the witches. I'll let Lizzie explain more about that uh, during the course of our interview. Welcome to the Folklore Podcast Book Club, Lizzie Fry. Author, lovely to see you.
1: Great to see you. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Now, before we begin, uh, let's just spend a moment to instruct people as to who is Lizzie Fry.
1: Okay, so I'm Lizzie and uh, you may know me better as uh, Lucy V. Hay or Bang to Write as well, Uh, so I've got quite a lot of names online, but I'm Lizzie Fry for this, uh, for The Coven. Um, My debut novel came out February this year, 2021, and uh, it's very much uh, kind of witch related, Um, so that's why I'm here today talking to you. You on the folklore
0: podcast. It is indeed very much witch related. I guess the title probably should give that away. Tell us a little bit about the plot without doing any spoilerage, if
1: you can. Okay, so I'm going to say to you: imagine a world in which 50% of women have some form of magic so the vast majority of them are what's known as kitchen witches so it's kind of almost like you would expect in this world so uh, they've got their cauldrons and their grimoires and all that kind of stuff but they haven't got innate magic necessarily um and then from there we've got the crystal witches now they do have a a form of innate magic um but they can only access it through crystals as their name suggests um and then we've got the elemental witches at the kind of top of the tree and they are incredibly powerful women they've got innate magic and they are um very much kind of uh, natural witches, naturally talented and they're incredibly powerful and they take their powers uh, through one of the four elements, uh, which is obviously um, fire, water, earth and air. Uh, Now in this parallel world that's just like ours, but has these women who can do witchcraft, uh, we've got this uh, populist demagogue uh, president who does not like that he he does not like the fact that women have so much power and he has got a, um, a cabal of men to kind of oversee the women they're called the sentinel and uh it's a very patriarchal thing only men can be in the sentinel and they have to kind of police the witches as it were now in the last couple of years um There's been lots of uh, a kind of witch terrorism, as you would, um, uh, I suppose you could say, especially involving elemental witches. um, And so this president has said, witchcraft is banned there is there is no way there can be any more witchcraft anymore and he's put kill orders out on all of the elemental witches and he has imprisoned the crystal witches uh, in what's known as the angel caves because they have to wear these halo things on top of their head that stops them from accessing their um their magic and then the kitchen witches are asked to recant their rights to a biological right to um, perform magic and come over to the president's kind of side which is known as the the new puritans and so we've got this kind of gilead thing going on where women aren't allowed to to do what they're entitled to do um, and there's there's lots and lots of problems now in the midst of all this chaos where you know with all these witches being hunted um a young woman comes into her own powers and it's discovered that she is the most powerful element or elemental witch of all time because she has got all four elements because usually remember it's just one and yet she's got the power of air fire earth and water and she you know things are things get scandalous very quickly because obviously the president does not want her on the run um and uh so he's he's chasing after her she is helped along the way by a crystal witch and by a rogue sentinel so in other words a a guy who was in the sentinel realizes the error of his ways and decides oh no i'm not going to do this anymore and he actually helps her known as the one amongst the elemental witches and the crystal witches. And so this young girl, plus her dad, plus this guy that was in Sentinel, plus a crystal witch, they're the coven of the title. They're literally on the run from this president um, uh, of the United States. And it's a global witch hunt for them
0: now it is it, it is a fantastic read and it is a very exciting read. And I, I think part of that is possibly due to the fact that in, in your other persona, you're quite heavily involved with um, screenwriting, for example. So it it has a cinematic quality to it very much. But is it a thriller? Is it Uh, A feminist dialogue? Is it uh, just an adventure story? Is, Is it something that looks very deeply at witchcraft? How would you place this as a piece of fiction?
1: Um, I don't see why it can't be any uh, any or all of those things, to be quite honest with you. I mean, certainly a lot of people have, have got back to me and said that they really appreciated the feminist aspect of it and, the, and the, the commentary about patriarchy and the commentary about, you know, the intersection of misogyny and race in particular in the book. And I've had a lot of feedback about that aspect. So um, a lot of people kind of feel very strongly towards that element, Uh, other people tend to like the thriller aspect I mean for me personally feminism is something that I always write into all of my books you know in my other life I as you say I'm I'm a script editor for movies and so very often I'm looking at stories through a feminist lens anyway and I do that when I write crime fiction as well because I write domestic noir books as L.V. Hay so feminism is very much part of my persona just across all my jobs as it were it kind of is a given really for me so on that basis I was really really keen to write something that was uh, very much a thriller an adventure you know this global witch hunt across the world Um, I was very keen to do that also I wanted to write something that was uh, known as a plotting archetype called the hero's journey, this notion of somebody who comes from nothing and moves into a space where they are the chosen one, the one that can solve the problems, the one that has to find allies, you know, the the kind of marvel template, if you were. I wanted to write something like that. So, yes, in in terms of the thriller aspects, I think for me personally, that was the thing that I was interested in doing most in this project. In terms of the witchcraft, I was very keen on representing it in an authentic way in the sense that i spoke to a lot of witches read a lot of books spoke to a lot of spiritualists visited a lot of drowning pools all that kind of stuff um but if you wanted something that is about witchcraft in this world this world that we literally live in now then no it's it's not it's not the same but it does draw on a lot of the things that you would recognize if you were a witch. I've had quite a lot of um, feedback from actual witches who've read the book, who feel that it is, although it's an obviously a fantastic element, and and I'm using the word fantastic in its real sense of the word, um, but it does draw on the history of witchcraft. and, And I was very keen not to misrepresent. I wanted to kind of build on the witchcraft element and add to it rather than create something that was completely different to what you would expect but equally i didn't want to take the mickey out of witches and witchcraft either because i respect that and i wanted it to be to i wanted it to feel real i wanted it to have a representation of reality without it actually being reality if that makes sense
0: yes absolutely and i think there's a very important point there that when we look historically of course at, at um the the legacy we find now from witchcraft, we look at the witch trials of the early modern period and we look at the the, um, uh, events surrounding people like Matthew Hopkins as a witch finder, for example. This is very much kind of modern retelling in a way, isn't it? Because that patriarchal element is obviously something we find very strongly in the historical witch trials. Are you, in a sense, also giving a voice to the women who were persecuted for witchcraft back then through the plot of a modern retelling in this way?
1: Well, I hope so. That was definitely my intention. Whether people feel that 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 was successful or not, I don't know, uh, because that's up to the reader. Um, But I, I hope so. I mean, certainly, you know, there's a, there's a whole section of the book where they go to Salem and they see Tituba. I hope I'm saying her name correctly because I think I've only ever seen it written down rather than anyone say it uh, to me. But Tituba was a, um, a lady who was uh, part of the witch trials in the 1600s. And she was one of the few women to actually go free, in the, in the witch trials, and not only that, she took down a whole bunch of people, uh, white people, because she was um, a slave, and she wanted to protect herself, and protect her husband, John, who is a Native American. And um, and she managed to point the finger at a whole bunch of white women, white women who had persecuted her as a slave and also persecuted her as, um, as just a, a witch as well, uh, or a supposed witch in the witch trials. And she managed to finger all of those ladies and a bunch of men as well, and go free. And I thought that was just such an impressive uh, thing to be able to do, and she caused absolute chaos. Um, and uh, and I was particularly interested in her story, and I wanted her to her to be, I suppose, an, an ancestor of one of my characters as well, and actually kind of given indicator of that family lineage and how they were able to actually make a, a really bad situation work for themselves as well, and actually have you know actually win for once. Because, of course, a lot of slave women in particular were murdered in, in Salem. And yet this one lady managed to go, go free. And, and I really wanted to kind of um, uh, spotlight her in the book so that people reading it would realize that she was a real person and actually go, oh, that's really interesting, and go and and go and research her. So, yes, I I hope, I hope I did do that effectively and that people would want to do that.
0: Yeah, I think you absolutely did, um, and and she is a fascinating character, as you say. It's, um, and people probably only have an awareness uh, of Tishba through um, the Crucible and and her involvement in Arthur Miller's uh, telling of that story. But of course, that yeah. only tells a very small part of the story as well. And and yeah, I think you do highlight it very well. Now you're not. Uh, as you say uh, a folklorist or a historian yourself by profession or by training Um, but but certainly the historical folkloric content that is included as part of this book is very good and is very strong and it's evident that you research a lot when you do write how did you find that whole process for this?
1: I mean, I love research. Research is something that I'm just genuinely interested in. I just like to know stuff about stuff. It doesn't really matter what it is. Um, having grown up in Devon, though, for me, it it was something that it felt like coming home because witchcraft and witch uh, monuments and and stuff like that have have always been around me and has always been an interest to me so for a lot of uh, in terms of the research for this piece a lot of it is what I had already researched just in general because I'm just genu- genuinely interested in it um, and so it was a question more of kind of like pulling all the stuff that I already knew together to kind of stitch this patchwork of stuff that I was writing about and then on top of that I, I had a lot of I was doing a lot of things like visits to drowning pools and to various monuments and stuff. I mean, my husband got really quite annoyed with me because every weekend I was saying, "Can you take me to this place?" Because I don't I don't drive, you see. So he was having to drive me all over Devon, looking at various things. But um, I went down to Boscastle, down to the Witchcraft Museum, and they were incredibly helpful as well. And I've been there lots of times, so they probably know me on site by now and of course I spoke to yourself as well I was reading various books like Witch by Ronald Hutton, and so on and so forth so it was a question of kind of you know just pulling it all together and actually really feeling like I could I had like this strong authentic background for the book and and making sure that what I thought I know I knew was actually what was what what happened, or how people felt about certain things, and also um, kind of contrasting and comparing my opinions of what had happened to other people like yourself, and to to other people online. I've got a very uh, big online platform that's that's global, for instance. So I went on my on my Facebook and my Quora and and Instagram and so on and so forth, and and asked people all across the world their opinions about the various things that have happened um, and all the different kind of lenses that people kind of view them in. Because, of course, I didn't want it just to be a one-sided kind of uh, version of witchcraft. I wanted to really understand why some people are threatened by it as well um, and and also just just generally dislike it as well so I I, I needed to have as many opinions as possible and I wanted to kind of bring in all the issues as well I mean the the women who don't practice witchcraft and who are very very kind of patriarchal in their outlook for instance are called goodies in this story world and just a few years ago in uh, on Twitter there were a lot of um, feminists uh, and I use that word quite lightly, because this particular brand of feminism I, I I don't agree with because it's trans ex transgender exclusive. Um, uh, they were calling themselves goodies at that time, and so kind of following these kind of online controversies about what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a feminist, what it means to be a witch as well, what really helps. Uh, inform my research as
0: well I think there's been a real resurgence recently hasn't there in witchcraft in popular culture for want of a better term there's been a lot of fiction uh, a lot of movie fiction uh, tv etc based around witchcraft why do you think that is why are we seeing this resurgence in the interest in this
1: well, I mean, going going by my own experience in the movie industry in particular, I mean, if we go back just just a, a decade, it was extremely hard to get any stories greenlit in the movie world with a female lead, um, and. And that was sort of like only 2009, 2010. It was extremely difficult. Um, over the last decade, things have changed considerably in terms of uh, the industry waking up to what audiences want. And one of those one of those things that audiences really, really want is more diverse characters as standard. And so we started seeing first a lot of white female characters. Now we're seeing many more uh, transgender characters, gay characters, black characters, Asian characters, maybe not quite so much, but that will be next. Um, And so we're seeing many, many more... um, uh, supernatural stories as well you know we've got and Marvel in particular has played a big part in that you know and DC too you've know, got the whole Wonder Woman thing as you can see behind me we've got Wonder Woman we've got a, a mermaid Blade Runner all these all these different kind of things and so those pre-sold stories came first those stories that we already knew that had sold in the past in you know via comic books and and cult movies and stuff like that and then we started to see commentary, more feminist commentary as standard as well, and, and more left based um, uh, commentary as standard. From there, as a springboard, the obvious place to move next would be witches, because, of course, witches are kind of anti-patriarchal. They are feminists they they there's a big history there in terms of the misogyny against women and 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 so on and so forth so on that basis it was kind of inevitable really that we would be moving into the space where witches would be something that people would be extremely interested in especially when we look back to to all the stuff to do with greek myth for example and comic books um uh, because it's just it's so It's just so linked you you can't you can't do all of the stuff that the industry is interested in without witches
0: do you think people are generally doing it well though you mean i mean yours is a prime example you do the research there's a good background there it's respectful and historically pretty accurate do you think people generally are taking that approach
1: I think they are I think I think possibly in the past they weren't um it used to be in the past that accuracy was the thing um and if you weren't accurate as a writer then you were a bad writer and that was really the thing until quite recently, um, accuracy was always the prized thing, and it still is to some degree, especially if you're writing in certain story worlds like medical and police and stuff like that. Now, obviously, doctors and police officers say, "Well, that would never happen." But every, you know, all of those shows and and uh, books and stuff like that, they usually have a consultant of some kind, and so if they've got something wrong, then usually it's because they're sacrificing facts for drama. Um, But in the last five years in particular, I would say authenticity has begun to be more prized than accuracy, generally speaking, and... and authenticity is something that can be applied to any story and any character, any story world, any theme, anything like that. And people are becoming more and more interested in actually challenging the typical kind of myths and stigmas and tropes that we have seen so much in the past, you know, particularly the past 40 years since the blockbuster was invented uh, in screenwriting and that's moved into novels as well and back again. Um, And we've got the whole kind of notion of the own voices kind of novels as well. This idea that if you share a marginalised identity with the protagonist, then that's an own voices story. I've written a couple of those. Um, I was a teenage mother, for example, and so I wrote a book about being a teenage mother um, and and a pregnant teenager, and that is an own voices novel. Now, I'm not a witch, and um, so The Coven is not an own voices novel, but a lot of people now, even when they're not writing the things that uh, they're not the the sharing that marginalised identity with the characters, they still are much more respectful as standard. It used to be when I was a script consultant and a script editor, I would really have to argue my case and say, yeah, well, that's, you know, that's an offensive trope. You, you know, you're not understanding the history of storytelling there and how there hasn't been enough variety in that particular type of character. I used to have to go into immense detail and really argue my case with, writers and with producers and and directors as standard these days they're actually coming to me and saying is there anything i need to know about the history of this trope the history of this kind of story the history of this kind of story world people are much more willing to consider that they don't know about various stuff before it was like oh it's my story my characters come to me fully formed it's you know if you actually challenge me in any way you're being some kind of story fascist that doesn't seem to happen as standard now and and if you go online and you 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 look like um at uh hashtags like hashtag own voices hashtag diversity hashtag inclusion all those kind of words you will find lots and lots of writers talking about tropes and problematic types of stories or problematic types of representation and what we can do to make sure that we're authentic and accurate without being offensive and that has and that has really surged forward in the last couple of years.
0: The Coven is by uh, it is Historically very accurate, as you say, and, and heavily researched, but by its very nature also has to take a certain amount of artistic license um, on top of that as well. How did you go about that process of blending your own invention with the existing history to make it work?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And I wish I really knew the answer, to
0: be <laughs> honest. Yeah.
1: I mean, when, when, it, when it comes to being authentic, but also having something that is both, you know, authentic and accurate, but also exciting, because you've got to sacrifice facts for drama as well. So you've got to do this kind of balancing act that is incredibly difficult. And I know when I was writing the uh, the presidential speeches in particular in the book, I really worried that he was too bombastic, that he was too jingoistic, too racist, too sexist. And so I kept sending you know, the speeches out in particular to beta readers and saying, what do you think? And it kept coming back with, he's not nearly as bad as the real guy. Because of course, Trump was still... The president at the time, so that was a really weird feeling—the feeling that I was worried that it wouldn't be authentic, and yet people were saying it still wasn't as bad as the guy who who was literally leader of the free world. That was a really weird feeling. Another thing I did do was look to comic books because, as I was saying earlier, I was really interested in the whole kind of thriller aspect and kind of multiverse things that were happening in terms of Marvel and DC. And one thing that that was quite inspiring to me while I was writing the coven was the X-Men because, of course, in the X-Men, They live in a world that is exactly the same as ours, apart from the fact that there are mutants. Um, And on that basis, the existence of mutants affects politics, affects um, social justice, affects day-to-day living just generally speaking. And so I I watched the X-Men movies a lot and I watched um, and I read rather the, the comic books as well quite a bit to kind of get a feel for how they had set up that parallel world, that world that is exactly the same as ours, but with one key difference that has changed everything. And so that was quite inspiring to me um, and a a pretty good model of what I should be aiming for on the basis that, of course, the X-Men's been around for something like, I don't even know, 50, 60 years. It's it's a long time anyway. Um, And so, uh, and of course, the movies have been around for a good 20 years now. I think the first one was in 2000, the one with Hugh Jackman. So on that basis, I looked to that, uh, and I and I kind of uh, asked people as I was going along in terms of various character tropes, various passages in the book, because I know the publisher was very keen that I had these speeches from the from the president uh, in in the book, um, and and so I watched a lot of Trump rallies, which was well. <laughs> I <laughs> watched a lot of Trump rallies and I watched a lot of other political rallies all around the world and the kind of language that they use to kind of whip up their base, especially in, in xenophobic ways, um, mm. which was extremely eye-opening and, and, I and I, it enabled me to imagine a world in which it could it could change on a sixpence, which of course we've seen with the pandemic I actually finished the book before the pandemic but um, you know any any worries that I had about the world changing very quickly soon came to pass that actually that's exactly what happens.
0: Yeah yeah it's <clears throat> that, that whole kind of uh, ish, issue of the presidential rally <clears throat> is something that we do find that within folklore and mythology, of course, as well, because that adoption by the alt-right and by white supremacist movements to our history is a, a constant challenge that's, that's having to be addressed. So, yeah, I mean, you find these issues, don't you, across the board? Yeah. yeah. Now, the, the Coven came out... In February of this year. So it's been out for uh, just a few weeks now and it's doing very well for itself as far as I can ascertain. So, uh, what happens now? What is next for Lizzie Fry?
1: Well, I have just delivered a second book to my publisher. It's not a witch-related book. It's a, a book about—I um, suppose you would say—it's very much in the vein of something like *Killing Eve*. I've got a—I've got a lady psychopath who um, has a, a variety of, of shocking things that she does for a, a variety of reasons. It's not anything to do with spies this time it's very much to do in the work set in the world of work set in the media because of course I've I've been working in the media now for a good 20 years I started off as a journalist and and I still do work a little bit as a, as, um, a freelance writer for various uh, sites and, and publications. So I was very keen to kind of mine that world as well and, and do my usual kind of representations about things to do with feminism and patriarchy and, and all the things that I'm known for. And so that was a really fun project to write and its, uh, it's quite different in tone to the coven it's it's much more kind of tongue-in-cheek and things uh getting out of control extremely quickly um and um somebody read it uh beta reader uh, reader read it for me just before i i gave it in and um they called my character villanelle's long lost little sister so that was exactly what i was going for so so that's uh that was great so hopefully the publisher will come back and say that they like it and it will be out in 2022.
0: Excellent. Do you think you'll return to, um, not necessarily which themes, but, but those kinds of themes that we, which we as um, a folklore based podcast are interested in as another mechanism for fiction in the future?
1: Oh, absolutely. I absolutely love folklore. I've lived in Devon a long time now. It's something that it, it really interests me and and dystopian themes and themes that kind of um, back on notions of folklore. Absolutely. I, I think it's such a rich. Um, worlds to kind of mine for stories and I'd love to write something about a mermaid as you can see on my wall I absolutely love mermaids especially the freaky ones that like eat people and and lure men to their deaths and all that kind of stuff so um, I would would love to write a mermaid book one day yeah definitely.
0: Awesome we would look forward to that very much. Uh, The Coven is published by Sphere. Now I had a, a pre-publication proof so i am just going to check with you on the back of my copy it says that it is available or will be available in hardback paperback ebook and audio which of those formats are out at the moment
1: yeah the the hardback is out right now and um so is the audiobook and so is the ebook and i believe the paperback is coming in september
0: Excellent. So do hunt down a copy of The Coven. Try and buy it from your local independent bookshop if you can. If you cannot do that, then there are multifarious places both on and offline that you will be able to pick up a copy. Lizzie Fry, thank you so much for taking the time to join us to talk about The Coven. Thank you very much.